Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people and real stories. A local podcast for local artists. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Live long and prosper, lovely afternoon delighters. How are you all doing? I hope you're all having a fantastic Sunday and you're not all too hungover because we have got a treat this afternoon for Afternoon Delight and I had to jazz it up because if I know anything about Leos, it's that they like to do things in style and that opening intro had to be glitzy, sci-fi, with a hint of disco vibes. And I thought, who better that than, of course, the next guest? This interview has definitely been up there with an absolute iconic moment for Afternoon Delight. I couldn't quite believe that she had agreed to do this because I was so in awe through the whole interview. And, and afterwards, I was messaging her, we're going to DJ together, we're going to like you know strike a friendship. But I was getting advice off of her for potentials for me to explore in the future with my drag and my work. And she is a secret drag queen. She has got an iconic DJ name. She is an absolute nerd at heart, which I am totally here for. I love people that have their little quirks. One of the things I noticed on her website when I went and did some research was that she was dressed as an astronaut. And I thought, why the fuck are you dressed as an astronaut? But I want to know why, because it's iconic. And during the interview, she, she tells me that she's a sci-fi nerd and she loves Star Trek. And she loves all these other things like Scream Queens. I thought, oh my God, really? Okay, I can get behind this. And I, I just can't quite believe that this is going to be getting shared. I'm so excited. It is a resident DJ with Glitterbox. Her own music, also working with Ghetto Disco Records. She also is the moment, as Oprah says. You know, she is really up there with the, the, all my guests on Afternoon Delight are incredible, but she really is, she is setting the bar for me. If I can be her when I'm 30, I am here for it. And I'm going to let her do the rest of the talking because that's the right way to do this, especially when you're dealing with a Leo. It is royalty in the DJ world and absolute powerhouse. Natasha... Kitty Cat. Welcome back to Afternoon Delight, a Sunday treat. I am going to open with my own quote on this. In ancient times, cats were worshipped as gods, and the next guest is an absolute goddess in the DJing world. It is, of course, the talented Leo Queen that is Natasha Kitty Cat. How are you doing? Meow, I'm good. That's some opening quote. I love that. You know what? I need to take that and use that in all my marketing now. I'm stealing that, Jordy. <laughs> right, I stole it. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love it. So I am really excited to have you because I'll be honest, I did not think I would have, in my opinion, royalty in the DJ world come on my podcast. Oh, yeah. I Oh, I'll take that with salt on it. Honestly, royalty, I will take that with salt. That is, thank you, what a compliment. Oh, no. I'm a drag royalty in Edinburgh, so thank you. 
Thank you. Oh. No, the thing is, I've been a big fan of yours for so long now. Um, your music, particularly, I've loved listening to your own music that I've listened to on Spotify and YouTube. So I'm a big fan of yours. And I think there's so many exciting questions. You know, I, every interview, I'm writing the questions. I'm coming up with these um, um, templates. I'm looking at people's websites. And I said to you earlier before we started this, I was so drawn to your website. It was so wild. Your, <laughs> and the images I actually love is you, I think, as an astronaut. Yeah, oh, space daft, sci-fi daft. I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge nerd. Is that what you call it, nerd or geek? I'm one of those. <laughs> one of those. I, no, I just love, honestly, anything to do with space. I want to be aliens, you name it. Um, the the B-movie Scream Queens and the sci-fi stuff for yesteryear, that's totally my bag. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> I didn't think that from you because I think for me, right, your aesthetic is also very like beautiful in the eye, right? I've often seen you when you're kind of like what I would class maybe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if that you're like no hun, that is not my vibe at all. But sort of <laughs> a goth disco queen. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I love that. that I'm going to steal that as well, Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> you're giving me all these like marketing and branding things for free. Thanks, hun. On <laughs> you know Madonna inspires me with the marketing so I feel you I just I looked at your because obviously as a drag artist I'm often looking at people like what's their vibe what is their mood board or what's their aesthetic you know and and why is it so amazing and for you I was like if you took like a guy from the Bee Gees and Elvira and they had a baby I, think <laughs> <laughs> I love it no I absolutely love it and I love that saying as well mood board that's such a key word because if I was to do a mood board, you know, B-movies, I love this, as I said, the Scream Queens, so Vampira, Morticia, and then you get aliens. Just throw a big alien in there and we're laughing. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. I love how this is already going. This is so excitable. And right now we need, I think, that motivational, excitable conversation. So thank you so much for to you for joining us on Afternoon Delight for a Sunday treat. Would you mind um, introducing yourself to my listeners? I mean, they probably know you, but if they don't, I would love for them to hear about your story. So I am Natasha Kitka. I DJ and I produce. Started off... Um, Oh, God, I'm revealing my age now. I'm coming up for 30 in July, being the Leo that I am. I can't believe I just revealed that. <laughs> um, I've been DJing since I was 21, so near, in September it'll be about, God, nine years. Oh. Um, started off, it started after I went on a trip. Um, this was in, in Edinburgh. There used to be a night called Ladies on Rotation. Oh, no, there still is Ladies on Rotation. It's still there. Yeah. But the time I went up, and I remember seeing all these female DJs and thinking, hey, wait a minute, I can do that. And for my 21st, I went on a trip to New York and I just went a bit mental with buying records and I've never stopped. And after that, I got given an opportunity to play in a small pub in Edinburgh. Now, I can't, the name of it's changed that many bloody times. I couldn't tell you the name of it at the time because my memory's not that good. But it started off like, right, you're going to do a gig, all vinyl gig, went for it. And I've literally not looked back. And it's went from one thing to another. And it's just, it's just grown. And, you know, the journey has been exciting. It's, it went from starting off in a small place to going all over the globe. So, so it, it, I mean, it's good fun. I love that. So where about was the pub? And let's see if I can try and work it out. Because I know a lot of venues in Edinburgh. 
Right, let me think of the best way to describe it. You will probably, because the name changed. And, oh, God, let me think of the, oh, God, where's the, it's off. Here's me, it's like tumbleweed moment. Let me think. <laughs> it's, I'm trying to think where it's actually near. So it's it's off leaf. It's there's like a Tesco, and then you've got like this all these junctions and it, near Banana Road. Do you remember Banana Road? Huh? It was the one on the corner. I feel like, like is that not Lioness of Leaf now? No. So you know there was a Banana Row like, like Lioness of Leaf. That's a good. That's a lovely pub. Yeah. But. It was basically, it's like all these crossroads and there's a Tesco and then there's like a thing and there's like a bathroom place and then there's a garage. Right. And it went towards like Inverley. Oh, I don't but know. it's like on a corner. I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know what? I would be lying if I said the name, but I used to... I can't remember. That I used to go to singing lessons down there with my vocal coach when she was based in a like sort of music producing place near it. So I think I know uh -huh. about... Yeah, because literally, I, I could not tell you the name of the place, but I, it used to be sort of like, I want to say, old man pub, I, inverted commas, and now it's sort of changed. But it was brilliant. I mean, like, everybody came along, and we all, the, there was another, the other female DJs were doing, like, rockabilly. There was some folk doing some rock music. I came along. I'd done, obviously, my disco stuff. But it was a night for everybody to sort of just go for it. And when they asked me, this was before I'd ever DJed, I was like, right, I better learn this pretty damn quick. Yeah. So when I came back off the flight, it was like, right, because my dad taught me how to DJ. So my dad's been a DJ around Edinburgh and stuff. Soul, disco, house, boogie, like, a big influence on me. Um, like that's how it started and then it just it just sort of spiraled out of control that's incredible because <laughs> for me I hear you know old man pub and I think right well I must have <laughs> point if you go to the catalogue of my ex-boyfriends <laughs> but it's, it's so interesting hearing all this and I didn't anticipate that you know you would have been a bit like me I was kind of through in the deep end at the beginning because I'd never DJed I'd I used to make Spotify playlists, um, which I know DJs hate getting asked, you know, just make a Spotify, and you're like, eh, I don't think so. But at the time, I would, for house parties, make a wee playlist, and all the girls, when we were 17, would be like, oh my God, Jordan, your tunes are incredible. But thanks, babes. But <laughs> Planet, when I had my pure, like, I'm 18, I'm gay, let's go. Um, we went to Planet. <laughs> Love it. We went to Planet every week, and I would go up to a DJ, and I would piss him off asking for 100 songs. But the <laughs> difference... Here was the one thing that I remember him saying to me that I really, really admired was the difference was I didn't go up and go, I want this song where you play it and, and pushed for it. I'd go up and go, do you know what? I'd get him a drink and go, do you know what would be really good if this next song was this? And he'd go, oh, yeah, okay, I will play it for you. And it was like that. And that's, yeah, That's the right approach. And do you know what I wish when I was like starting out and I thought coming up to me that I had people saying look here's a vodka diet coke you know I like what you're playing but next one would be this I would have been happy but I had folk going right 
play something I can dance to, play something I like. I'm like, well, if you don't like it, there's other places to go, honey. So there's the front door. Walk, walk out it. But you know what I mean? So that's a good approach. I like this. As well, I didn't keep that approach because then I took over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's called winning. <laughs> well, it's because I started, they gave me a Saturday night as a trial and I thought, give me a fucking Saturday night as a trial, you throw me deep in. But after that, I got residence there for about three years I did there. And then I ended up leaving for uni to go and finish studying, like finish and get my degree because I was arsing a bit too much for the first two years. And then when I came back, you know what it's like, things just change and I ended up going to CC's and then going to Polo in Glasgow and the Cowgate, Bongo, Sneakies, all these places that you obviously know very well. And it's interesting, but for me, it was the same as you that it kind of was like, well, you have such good music taste, let's see you do it. And I thought, oh my God, what? And it was, um, it's funny, we've got a lot of comparisons and same things in common that my dad used to be a DJ as well. I didn't know that. And he sadly passed away when I was nine, but my mum had said to me, you know, there must be something at your genetic coding because your dad was a DJ and you're now a DJ. And I went, maybe. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I believe that. The thing is as well, it's, it's such a thing, you know, to have that bond, the fact that your father, he done that and then you're sort of, it's like passing the torch, you're, going ahead and doing that now it's it's just it's a nice thing so it's funny how music connects people and whether it be family friends whatever how you meet people in life it's just such a beautiful thing I love it honestly see the people I've met through music I've met some of my best friends for life yep. I'm not getting taken away by a fire truck or a police van that's just outside if anyone's <laughs> gonna run I know what <laughs> and you know it's it's so apt and true that that is the thing that music really combine people and I think it's beautiful and the you know Jodie Harsh does this podcast that I used to love listening to called um like you know life life on the dance floor I think it was or part of the dance floor and it was um she'd interview really well-known musicians and stuff on their experiences yeah. well-known famous figures but she would always say to them you know we I met so many amazing people in my life through being on dance floor so now having that takeaway is really yeah. hard really hard yeah, you know, and this is the thing, we'll be so glad when we can actually get back on the dance floors, we're missing that, you know, being able to connect with people and, you know, it'll be good when life resumes, you know, especially us in the arts industry, it's been tough, it's been Brutal. bloody tough. Brutal. So, Natasha Kitty Cat is born after you do this beautiful set and it all just takes off from there gradually, right? But who were you before that happened? You know, where did you grow up? study, live, what was life like for you before you ended up becoming a DJ? So I've always lived in Edinburgh. I've always been here. And before the DJ, I actually, I went to uni. I've actually got a degree, believe it or not, <laughs> in marketing with digital media, which has proved to be handy, especially like working in the music industry and knowing how to market yourself. But it was marketing with digital media. That was what I'd done at university and then I don't know if this was a blessing or a curse I started DJing in my fourth year at university when I was meant to be doing the dissertation I mean I, I passed and everything but it was the worst year to bloody start DJing and going out really partying because it's like oh I've got this to do oh no I'm going out tonight there's something on and it's like oh no but you've got to do this oh bugger it I'm away out again <laughs> so it was a blessing and a curse that it started while I was at uni in my fourth year I'm like, oh God, of all the years to start, could it not have been first year when yeah. nobody really does much? Yeah. But <laughs> no, it was, it's been good. It's, it's, it's something that I'm so glad. I actually 
it scares me to think of what would life have been like if I hadn't went down that route. I think it was inevitable with my dad, like listening to music brought up on it. Honestly, he's just as bad as like he's he's worse. He's, he's worse. <laughs> I said to him, "You've given me an addiction at disco. Cheers, mate. <laughs> it's an expensive habit. Don't do it, but do it because disco's awesome." <laughs> Your amazing dad that started the Bee Gees, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> John Travolta, man. Oh. <laughs> had to shut so it's so I guess you know you've answered my next question you know what first got you to DJ and you know your your dad and, and the family because I everyone says to me um, especially my vocal coach actually she when I say I want to sing certain songs she goes you are much younger than me and I'm like right and I'm like I'm not that young because I feel like it's as if I'm 18 she goes no but you're only you're 26 but some of the music you know it's like these are songs that probably would have been when I was your age, they'd came out. So why, where does that come from? Well, my parents used to play it in the house. And, and I love that. I know, and there was sort of a double-edged sword with that in a way that, you know, the weekends were sometimes a bit too chaotic with house parties getting too much. <laughs> and me and my <laughs> watching Disney films thinking, what is this beat? This is sick. <laughs> but old, I probably never would have had it then driven in my veins to then go and say, do you know what, in a, a nightclub, this is the sort of music I think that Louisville would love. And then even house, and, and funny, one of the things that I love actually that people always get surprised by is I love trance music. And, you know, yeah. there's a bit of a, oh, either you love it or you're a bit like, oh, I'll kind of stay away from that. For me, I've loved going to nights like Joy, Taste and Mingin where house disco at the beginning, get into it, and then by the end you're listening to this dark trance and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> But that, that, that's the thing as well, it, you know, music, it's such a powerful thing. And, you know, if you enjoy it, bloody go for it. That's what I say. No, I love that. Honestly, so interesting. So do you know what? For me, right, I, I'm so, and I know I said you were, dra eh, not drag, TJ Royalty earlier. Oh, I, I, I feel in my heart, I, I, honestly, my love for drag and the whole scene is such a massive influence. If you're going to talk about big influences, the gay scene, drag, that is just, I, it's, I absolutely, you know, without this culture, we wouldn't have disco and folk need to realise this. We wouldn't have house or disco. You know, it was born from the scene and it's it's just so, it's just beautiful music and it's, you know, it's something close to my heart. I, I really, I really do oh, feel it. So. That. I could just tell, the thing is, did you watch the, I've not seen it yet, but I obviously can kind of get from the trailer. Did you watch the Glitterbox documentary about the sort of... I've not watched it yet. I know that's bad. I'm, I have my thing to watch it and I'm meant to watch it and I'm going to no. because it, the message and, you know, the, with music and sexuality and the whole way that it ties together and, it, you know, one thing that's good in modern times is we're moving forward and I'm so glad that we are moving forward because... For so long, people have been stuck in the dark ages and I'm glad that some folk are actually seeing the light and waking the fuck up. Excuse my French, but I had to say it like that. Do you know what I mean? I'm just so glad that, you know, people acknowledge, because you for years, um, this was the thing, people go, oh, I love house music or I love this kind of music, but then they'd maybe be homophobic. It's like, well, you can't be, because if you love that music, know its origin, know where it came from. Otherwise, you know what I mean? A lot of folk just were so blind to it. It's like, if you're going to appreciate and love a genre, 
and have that kind of attitude, don't bother. You know what I mean? So it's it's good that it's bringing it this awareness, and it should. I'm fortunate that I'm one of these people that's always, you know. I was fortunate that my mum and dad are very liberal-minded and you get people that are just so narrow-minded. And I feel sorry for those people because imagine being like that. That's awful. Yuck. Sorry if I hear what I mean. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> it is. You're so right in everything you said. I was just taking it in going, oh, yes, I felt that in my stomach. But it's so funny. <laughs> I remember to Marshall Jefferson at La Belle Angel. Um, wow. or house it was one of them and I was at the front and I was in drag and I was in sort of my like 90s androgyny drag with my Adidas trainers but my pure pure folk and I went and at the front I was like out my way <laughs> it's all these fucking oh, like, own it. but got to the front and me and my pal were loving our lives she's a DJ as well and this older woman was like oh you're a DJ aren't you and I went how do you know that and she went I've seen you out and about the scene and I went all right and she's like I go with my friends I was like cool and there was young teeny boppers all looking about, really confused, and then pushing in front. And she was getting really pissed off. She turned to me and was like, do you know what? I love gigs like this, but I hate when people that are just coming for the, for the sesh, they're not actually coming to enjoy the music, take it in. And then one of them was like to me, eh, why are you dressed like that? And she was 18. And I turned around and was like, and I just thought to myself, what did I say? What did I say? I went, do you want a picture? Is that what it is? And she went, yeah. <laughs> do you want a selfie? Is that a, your itching ass fit? Do you know what? It's good. You have to put it back to them. It's like, I know this is quite shady what I'm going to say, but it's like, but why are you breathing? <laughs> I know that's a ter- That's quite evil, but sometimes you have to turn it back on the person. Why are you just like that? Why are you breathing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because people that have that mentality are wasting oxygen. Sorry, but it is, I have no time for it. And you know, it's no- so- you're still in the market and I'm still in your manifesto. Like, that is just, like... <laughs> we'll be a good team. <laughs> it, it's so interesting for me because that was one of the moments that I kind of went, I do love this music, but I thought, none of you know what this music is built on, where it comes from, and this is what... Exactly. And for me, that moment actually was, all right, I'm going to really... Because I knew the music from the scene, from the street, from, from CC's. I knew it through my friends and I knew it through my parents. But I thought, I want to go and do my research and actually know what I'm talking about. Because I really wanted to turn and go, do you know where this comes from, Tatlassie? But I thought, well, I'm giving right. information. I shouldn't. I will now go away. And then if this happens in the future, I can turn and go, do you know this is built on the queer community and you're coming here and questioning why I'm here. I'm questioning why you're here. Exactly. Exactly. And that honestly, is something that actually when people have that kind of mentality, it actually infuriates me. Like I actually get really annoyed because I'm like, how dare you be part or claim to be part of a scene and you don't know its origins and you don't respect the origins or understand what the hell's going on. No, blocked. Jackie, we- what's her name? Jackie Weaver, Jackie Beaver, what's, what's her name? That Jackie Weaver's just removed it. Like. Yeah, <laughs> block, delete. That's what, what real life, Jackie Beaver. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> That's hilarious. So you have got, I looked at your website, but I've known you for quite a while now, but I looked at your website and you have got an impressive catalogue of DJM work. And I would love to hear your highlights how it all started, but like in terms of when you started producing and making your own music and stuff, but what have been the highlights up until the pandemic for you? I'd love for you to share your experiences as a professional doing this. Absolutely. I mean, highlights for me, obviously, 
there's you know glitter box getting to play high Ibiza that was something else um before the pandemic actually December 2019 I got to go over to Brazil and play for Heavy Love which they are a beautiful beautiful community over there and honestly the music and the people the crowd I was like it's even thinking about it I'm not just cold. I, I have goosebumps. Honestly, it's like unbelievable, and stuff like Southport Weekender. That was my breakthrough gig. I done Southport Weekender um, at Minehead just before it was like just before they disbanded. It wasn't because of me. I know I look like I'm a jinx. I'm not a jinx. They disbanded, <laughs> but they're coming back. But that was my breakthrough gig, getting a play to thousands of people, and it's just spiraled from there. And again, it's going, it's been able to go across, the fact that the music's taken me across the globe. I mean, going to New York with it, House of Yes, which is a great, I love that venue for Glitter Boxes. There's been a number, it's hard to pinpoint, but the fact that music can take you across the globe and meet new people, again, it goes back to the connecting with people. And that's the thing I'm really missing right now, mm. is connecting, meeting new people and... Mm. You know, and the way that music brings people together, I'm just, it's, yeah. I'll be glad when I'm back. I thought my career was down the tubes, but a few book kids have come through, so fingers crossed I actually get to do them. Who knows? But, yeah. I've been... got I've got my fingers crossed, but if things are, you know, we'll talk about it later, but we're looking at hope in this season of Afternoon Delight for the third season, mm -hmm. and I know I feel that hope is in the air. I can see it. Even though today yeah. a lot of people have technology fatigue that, they didn't want to sit and talk to people, but they don't want to be on their own. You know, such a such a complicated conflict to have in your head of to be with people, but I don't want to be on a Zoom call. I don't want to be on Twitter. I just want to be chatting in a room or watching a movie with a friend. Yeah, that's it. And that's it. Bang on. I can walking through the streets. I can like last Saturday when it was sunny. I was like, everyone is really starting to anticipate that you know a few weeks things are opening. It, come summer, hopefully we'll have a great summer. Um. You know, it's, it's, you can feel it, but I think it's that thing, isn't it? It's like a week or two for it and everyone's like getting angsty. It's like when you're wanting to go on holiday and the week before you go on holiday, you're like, oh, I just want to be there now. I don't want to deal with fucking work. I don't want to deal with people. <laughs> Out of office is on already in your head. No, I know. That's... <laughs> It's a beautiful way to describe it. It's out of office, it's already on, amazing. But for me, hearing you talk about your highlights and they're so brilliant and I'm just, I'm in awe. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could be that like incredible. Like what? You are. No, I know, but uh, yeah, I know. You I know. are, you are. I know. I, I should interview you, Jordy. Come on. <laughs> but <laughs> work regularly and you've mentioned like defected glitter box, et cetera, from your website and from this conversation. But I'd like, I'd be quite intrigued to know how did your stuff with Glitterbox start? So what happened, I, I hope nobody falls asleep at my story. So I mentioned I've done Southport Weekender. So as well, I got booked after that off the back. I think it, I would say it was pretty much off the back of that. I got booked to play in Dubai for a, a club that was called 360. It's no longer there anymore. Nothing to do with me, honestly. I didn't cause... <laughs> my music wasn't that shit they had to shut it down honestly no I got shut down and I remember my my now manager seen me on the lineup, and they had folk like Horsemeat Disco all these guys were playing at this and then they had little old me from bloody <laughs> Edinburgh up there 
And she seen me and she was like, oh, who's this? And she, me and her connected and she's based in Edinburgh as well. She used to manage, well, she does still manage, sorry, Louis Vega. Um, and she, yeah, no, absolutely. And she um, contacted me. She was like, look, let's, let's see if we can work together. And off the back of that, I got introduced to like Simon Dunmore. And then Simon was like, look, I'll give you a chance to play at Defected. It was one new year. I think it was, was it 2018 or 2017? I can't remember. My memory's not that good. But I'd done it for Defected. And it was up the stairs at Ministry of Sound in London. And he came up and he had a listen. He was like, listen, you'd actually be a good fit for Glitterbox. And then I got signed to Colluded Talent, which is the agency that's part of like Glitterbox and Defected. And off the back of that, it's just... I've just become part of the family and I'm, you know, it's the type of thing, the opportunities that I've had with it, you know, going to High Ibiza, House of Yes, Ministry of Sound, Bristol, there's been different, different gigs with them. It's just Germany as well. I loved it. Wow. It's been fun. It's incredible because Glitterbox, so I, I remember a few weeks ago or maybe a few months ago, it just feels like everything's blurring into one now, but you had put a thing on Facebook like, okay, question, are people more into house or disco? And mm. I, like, I love my disco house. I love my disco house. I love Glitterbox Radio constantly. But if, my, if I had to say what my heart and soul was in, it's 90s piano house. That's my thing. Do you know what I mean? I'm all about the Todd Terry music, the Marshall Jim. Jim. See Todd Terry speaking about, you know, when you talk about nice people in the industry, Todd Terry is one of the nicest guys. Every time I see him, right, Without a word of a lie, you'll say, look, do you want a vodka Red Bull or a vodka Cambry? Because he drinks vodka as well. Todd Terry is an absolute Gemma man. Yeah. One of the nicest guys in the industry, honestly. Oh, that's amazing. Good souls, yeah. Good souls, bad souls and arseholes. And he's a good soul. Oh, I love that. <laughs> arseholes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's funny because, like, his, one of my absolute... And I know I'll ask you later about your music taste for our like DJ set, but one of my absolute bops to play in any venue. It could be the underground scene, it could be CC's on a Friday, it could be the street on a Sunday, is the missing remix by Todd Terry. It just it always slaps. Everyone, you could be playing even just like really obscure music, but the moment that plays, everyone just flips their lid for the guitar. It's the dun dun dun. Everyone's like, yes. And that's why I get so excited about 90s house for me. And, you know, Alison Limerick, where Love Lives, again, one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. That's, that's iconic. As soon as you hear that piano riff, you instantly, it's a hook. That's it. I get, honestly, that's one of those songs. It's like you get chills even thinking about it. Like, it's one of those ones. It's so iconic. The minute you hear that, boom, 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 boom it's like, oh, fuck, I'm there, you know? You're so right. And that's the thing, like, for me, that... Uh, one of my first ever, I'd say proper, and I'm not saying that to read any DJs, but for me it was a, I'm going to try and do a set where everything goes into each other in a beat match. Because I'd never, at one point I was, you know, 2013 into 14, nearly early 15, I was just pressing play, playing some parties. Oh. And I was totally fine, valid, but at that point I wanted to do places like Taste, and I wanted to really get into more 90s dance. And one of the tracks I'd put in that when I sent Taste that they went, do you know this song? And I was like, and it was the Alice and Limerick where love lives. And I went to them, I discovered it and I fucking loved it. And they went, that's a clap. 
dance floor, I went, oh, well, it's the, it's the riff, it's the dun 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 And for me as well, I hate the expression, because a lot of people call it, I'm not sure if you're a bit like, oh no, like you're keen or not keen on it, but for me, one of the things that um, people describe it as is handbag house. And I've never been keen on that expression for some reason, because it's usually music that it's house, but women singing. So like, you know, um, people like Jocelyn Brown, um, oh, you know, doing these amazing songs. And yeah. they call it Handbag House. And I thought, I don't, for some reason, like that, but I don't know why. And I call it Diva House because it's Diva vocals. That sounds, I prefer the term Diva House. The term Handbag it just sounds a bit off. I have to agree with you there. It sounds a bit off. I would Diva House gives it, it's like, give these fantastic women the credit they deserve. You know what I mean? They're, it's not to do with the fact they've got a handbag. It's to do with the fact they're divas and they're singing house music. So, so you, I agree with you. I'm on the same page. So for me, that, That's a funny term. That is a funny term. I've heard it before and I've always been a bit like, there's something off with it. Do you know what I mean? Where does something, it come? I'm like, where is that coming from? Yep, you're so right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, oh, I just love that me and you have such a good repertoire with us. And, and it's interesting, but can you tell me more about um, ghetto disco records and stuff? So that started off, so I mentioned earlier, like me, like my dad taught me how to DJ. So me and my dad had a radio show and we used to get guests in every week. Like, well, it was every two weeks. And like some of the guests started actually producing tracks for the radio show. So I was like, my mind put two and two together. It's like, well, there's an opportunity here. If folk are actually making tracks for the radio show, why don't we think about a label? And off the back of that, that's how the label was born. And to be honest, the thing I love about having Ghetto Disco Records, I like being able to put music out with creative freedom. So if because I have my own label, I'm not confined to, oh, it has to have this sound, it has to have that sound. I can create something and then be, you know, my creation can go out there and I'm, I mean, you know, it's maybe on a small scale because I'm agreeing to it, but at the end of the day, I think it's so important to keep your artistic integrity and be true to who you are without feeling like you need to conform or, oh, I need to do a song like this because of this label or, and there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I just like being able to create anything wacky, weird and wonderful and put it out without worrying whether it'll get signed or not. I can put it on my label. And to be honest, I've really started pushing the label. It was actually the last... So before, I'd put out a lot of vinyl releases, like my own EP, Cosmic Oscillations. There was Cosmic Bitch. There was Return of the Cosmic Bitch. There was all these daft sci-fi things. And, after, you know, at the end of last year, Tabashek reached out to me and he was like, look, I've got this demo. And I loved it. It had this boogie sound to it. It sounded really, really cool. And I went, look, right, let's go for it. And from there, the label, digitally, because it was more a vinyl label before, but digitally it's just, it's really grown. And to be honest, the schedule for this year is filling up. I mean, we've had, it's been really, really good. I get sent a lot of stuff and I, I think there's no bigger compliment than somebody creating something and sending it to you and going, look, what do you think of this for your label? Yeah. And whether everything I get is right or wrong, it's the fact that somebody's taking the time to do that. I'm like, that's such a compliment in itself. Oh. So it, it's, just, it's just been, it's been amazing. I've loved growing the label and it's, 
it's starting to take off in its own little weird and wonderful way. And it's not one sound fits all, like literally. No, it's the same like anything I do. No two things sound the same. And I'm like, I don't know whether that's a blessing or a curse, but <laughs> I just... It's absolutely incredible. I'm actually blown away because for me, um, listening to you chat about that's so interesting with the... Um, the mention of artistic control, actually, because I've been working and developing work with the National Theatre Scotland and I've not been able to say what it's about, what it is, because they haven't released it yet, but I'm able to say I am working with them. And one of the things I had to really look at was there was a situation, and they wouldn't mind me speaking about this, but I was going to do, out of two pieces, one piece. And we had two, I had two journeys to go on, right? And my friends all said I was fucking nuts for this, right? But... I've been writing a show just for fun. I've been sitting writing a show for, since last summer and it was about the pandemic and the shielding period because shielding period for me was 12 weeks of staying in my house. Couldn't go for a yeah. lot, go to shops, staying in my house on my own. And just, basically. It was fucking horrific, but it's funny because in that 12 week period, 12, I'm not even making this up, that's the best part, 12 ex-boyfriends had all got in contact with me in different ways. Oh, like, a Snapchat, a phone call, an Instagram message. And I thought to myself, like, why? And and I ended up going, <laughs> I love my Zodiacs like you. I thought, let's, oh, yeah. I'm going to think about their birthdays. And I went, <laughs> not making this up. I went, this is literally of each Zodiac bar one. There's 11. I went, that's fucking incredible that 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 way. So I went, right, I'm going to write this show about the shielding period and I want to put on after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. of time to charge from the last six, like, you know, six months, but I want to do that show and be like, well, no, we can't forget this is a part of history and look at my shielding experience and let's talk about this in a sort of Raj astrology focused way. But it's really interesting because when that happened, I was writing that. And then the other thing was I wanted to do this other piece and I can't say what, but I wanted to do an art piece. And I had a meeting with the National Theatre and their, their directors, and they were like, what's your ideas? I went, well, I've got two ideas. Um, there's this and there's this. And the first one, they were like, that's a really good idea, the shielding period one. Um, maybe we could do it all this way. And I kind of went, I don't want to do it that way. And they were like, what do you mean? I went, it's, it's too close to home. I, I don't want people trying to change it and adapt it. And I watched Michaela Cole talk about how when she was doing Me Destroy You, Channel 4 wanted to change it all. So she went, no. And then HBO picked up and she made a fort clothed. And I went, not now, no. And we went with the other piece. And my friends all said, are you fucking nuts? I went, no, I'm not. Because they, no. But they wanted to sort of change it and they wanted to adapt it and look at it. And I said, we can look at that near the time and in the future. But right now, I don't want that taken away. I want to just write it the way it should be. And I totally relate and resonate with what you're saying, that that artistic control is so important to the core of the piece, I think. I absolutely agree. It's like someone, this is maybe a silly analogy, it's like someone doing a painting and someone coming and saying to them, look, I wish you'd done the painting this way, but that's your artistic work. That's your input. You don't want, you know, and I see with your decision, I totally agree with you. I've always said I would rather, you know, I'd rather be true to myself than do something that folk would think, oh, this is going to be commercially viable. This is what you should do. It has to be right to what I think artistically because that's the whole reason why I got into music. Otherwise, I'm selling myself out and that's not where I'm going. It's not why I do it. No. You know, so I, I fully agree with you and I think you made the right choice. 
I think long term I did and you know things are going well with them and they're so supportive and when I told them they went no no that's totally fine we'll go the second one then that was it there was no stress there was no pressure um but I did I think that really uh, was such an important point you brought and then my second thing I want to add is that I'm now looking at because I do singing all the time now in drag I'm like right maybe it's time for me to try and work out how I could do my own like EP or my own song that yeah. I could I'm singing people go oh my god you should go for that like that that's like a natural progression as well the fact that you're doing this thing you know what I mean you've got get into the production stuff put your own vocals on it go for it honestly you should and I want to hear more about some of your songs so chat me through like a couple of your songs and how you created them and, and where they came from I'd love to hear more about them I've listened to loads of your songs but I want to hear the ones from you that you think are really important and you should talk about okay so one of them that I really like this close to me. I, lo- I know it's the name's quite funny. So it's Bumpy Night. So I love old Hollywood and I love Betty Davis. Like I All About Eve is one of my favorite films. And I just think she was just such a character. And she's someone I see as like the embodiment of strength and sass. And she literally, when it's like, fasten your seatbelt, it's gonna be a bumpy night. I was like, I need to take that and I need to put that in a on a track and honestly I was like I'll never forgive myself if I don't put Betty Davis in a track so that was one of them and it's got like the disco beat behind it I was like you know you need the old school divas and the disco beat it just goes hand in hand and more recently we've got stuff like Cosmic Oscillation so that EP was created last year during lockdown so it was a, a time to be creative you know I'd, it's been a dark time for us all and I just thought, you know what, it's time to put that energy into something that's going to, you know, get creative with it. And, you know, putting that together, it's like all original material for that EP. It's, it's, it's been crazy, but it's been great. And then more, again, more recently than that, Salt and Sass, which anyone from Scotland will understand the reference. Yeah. I was like, I have, to, <laughs> I have to put something in like that. So, it, I mean, it's been great. I mean... I started producing about, God, was it five, six years ago? Yeah. It was like a natural progression off the back of DJing. Um, I went and I spent many hours in studios. I went and done a course on advanced production. And it's just grown from there. Yeah. One of my favourites by you, which was one of your remixes that I played in a couple of sets, has been your remix of Remember Me. And I... Love your remix of that. I remember playing it um, when I did Wendy's. It would have been Christmas. Oh, I, I love Wendy. Oh yeah, me too. And I mixed out to Wendy. Yeah, uh, she is incredible. And I mixed yeah. in your song, and she turned to me and I went, "Do you know who this is?" And she was like, "No, is it?" I think she said Joey Negro, and I was like, "No, it's Natasha Kitkash." <laughs> oh my god, yes, it is. Like, and she <laughs> love her, absolutely love her. Yeah, she's absolutely iconic. And I just love your music and Windy City as well. Like I love the days of my life. I just think these are all, I was listening to your music earlier being like, right, I want to get into the zone for this interview, make sure it's all about your work and you. And I was like, oh, I just, I could listen to your stuff all the time. It's incredible. Um, And I just think power to you using that time during the pandemic to create, because a lot of people, I think you're like me and you're a work working person that you want to be doing something to keep you active. And I was uh-huh. like, and I was like, I can't sit still. So I was like, right, well, I'll write about this, this show, about how I've been feeling in summer. And then during 
the March to the May time, I was like doing YouTube because I thought, you know what? Like I'm, I'm bored and it'll get me through what's going on. But in a way, a year later, and I can't say too much, but I've done a piece about being a YouTuber and it's a complete parody and a piss take for this organization. But I said to them when we filmed it and I was like, I don't know if you're like me, but it's like when you make a track, when you do a performance, when anything, afterwards you have that sort of come down of, oh, what do I do now? Because it's over. No, I, that, that's it. And it, this is the thing that we have as being creative people. It's that sometimes it can, I'm not going to sugarcoat, sometimes it can be an absolute battle with yourself. Like, honestly, trying to, it's like, am I being creative enough? Am I doing this right? Am I, and being creative people, there's this constant need for production and to constantly be doing stuff. And sometimes it can actually be overwhelming. Totally. But I, I can I can really relate to you with that. Yeah, and, Honestly. It, and with that, I'd said to them when we'd finished filming, they were like, you know, how do you feel about it? I went, I want to end on a nice note. They're like, what? And I was like, I was during the week looking at my covers on my YouTube, like singing covers and thinking, what do I want to do next? And I remembered I'd done this YouTube series a year ago. Do it right, I went, and it was this time a year ago. I filmed these four videos thinking I was a YouTuber, and afterwards was like, This isn't for me, like, this just isn't for me. And I think it's so funny that a year on from that, I'm now doing a professional piece that's gonna go out a lot of places, and it's about what I did a year ago, but it's sort of like it's just so full circle. And they were like, Yeah, because great, and I was like, Oh, sorry, <laughs> but it's not on it, it's funny. And that in itself, it's just funny how life works out. And this is something I joke about. Like, before, I was never a bedroom DJ, but I've had to become one during the pandemic because it's the only way to get to an audience. So it is funny how in life things can 360. It is quite funny. You're so right. And you're mentioning, you know, life in the pandemic. So you were you were really power to you, creating work and doing this during the pandemic. Yeah. But what has your life been like during the pandemic? And especially, I've, I've watched a couple of your DJ sets you did. But what's it been like for you living in a pandemic and being a DJ? What are your experiences been like? Oh, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie or sugarcoat it. Like, I'm someday that I can put my hand up. Like, I suffer from mental health. And being in this, you know, in many ways, a lot of us who suffer from this have been prepared because we've been fighting something our whole life where we feel isolated. But on the other hand, it's just been adapting and changing life. And at first, in some ways, it was good because it gave me a chance to stop living in the fast lane all the time. Mm. I mean, I was traveling here, there, everywhere, every weekend. And I was like, I'm going to burn out if I don't take a break. But with the same token, it's it's just amplified things. Normally, the things I would do to keep my mind active have been more at the forefront because I've not had the distractions that I would have had before. So it's been tough and, you know, it's adjusting to a new way of life and it's not been easy on anyone. Totally. And and I'm just intrigued, you know, you've done so well creating stuff and you're talking about your own mental health. So thank you so much for sharing that because that's really raw but needed right now that we see, I see people like you and go, oh, incredible, hard worker, doing so well. But then you're saying, going, yeah, but I'm also struggling with the scenes. And it's like, yeah. and I relate so much that me and Ryan has spoken in the last episode about how he felt that, and he said it himself, he went, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but we are very much um, artists that people look to us for the re light relief, the fun, the comedy, the, the good, positive vibes that when we're, Energy. but then we, when we're like, oh, well, we're not okay. People go, what the fuck? 
because it's just they're yeah, it's a shocker folk don't folk see what they like they'll have like a image or a projection of you in their mind and what they would presume but really nobody knows the battle that anybody's going like their own internal battle that anyone's going through with their own mind and there is no scarier battle than battling your own mind it's a very isolating and scary thing and that's something i can i can put my hand up you know and what sort of stuff have you then been doing to cope with that then? Because a lot of people I speak to on Afternoon Delight, every episode talk about what things they've done to cope because it's one I like mm-hmm. to give people resources that they might not have thought of and they listen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best resources for me, and I, I just think this woman's wonderful. Like, she's an icon. She's one of my absolute heroes is Ruby Wax. So she does stuff like mindfulness stuff. Um, guide for the frazzled and she actually does our frazzled cafe meetings online where you know you can go on a zoom call with ruby and there's other people there and they're talking about you know their own mental health issues and stuff and she's just been absolutely fantastic and she's done that you know before the pandemic she used to have meetups in like marks and spencer's cafes for people but her stuff's been really good and she does you know she does these mindfulness um sessions and they're fantastic and i would highly recommend it to anybody i'm gonna go check this out because i had after she's fab i I mean i love her and i know you love your 90s stuff as well (laughs) so ruby wax she's just brilliant she's been great um and i think you know just using the energy the negative energy to be creative is always a good thing yeah it's like turning um it's like spinning into gold, isn't it? You take these things that aren't really great and then you turn them into what is art, essentially, as an artist. And Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely. So, and I, I know that me and you had spoke personally, and we won't go into it much, but we'd obviously talked about how the pandemic has been a blessing, but also a curse that, you know, it's a double-edged sword again, that you start to see that people who, in everyday life when you were busy, they maybe were um, really great. But then when the pandemic hit, you think, actually, you're not really that good for me. And I was messaging you, asking advice, and, you know, I was getting harassed on social media. And you were like, are you all right? And I was like, I'm fine. It's just that the pandemic, unfortunately, had showed me that people I surrounded myself with actually were really toxic and negative energy in my life that when I wouldn't give, they wouldn't be okay with that. And, and I thought to myself, how am I going to, like, you know, navigate this? And I really appreciated when you dropped that line. I thought it was really sweet. But that's the thing with the pandemic is, you know, a lot of these negative experiences, I like to learn from my experiences. I know that Ruby Wax for you has been that, but Oprah's yeah. been, I've been watching Oprah interviews and Super Soul Sundays on YouTube and listening to them. And that was why I started this podcast really. And for me, it was that when she talked about like mistakes, you know, when you know better, you do better was the quote I used in season two. Yeah, and it's, it's just, you need to learn from it. So, so interesting. So what has it been like for you then? DJing online because I'm a DJ obviously and I've been doing it online and you know sometimes I was doing it every week because I had nothing to do and it helped but some weeks I thought I can't do this anymore because I don't want to what's it been like for you for me at first it was a bit I had this resistance towards it I was like oh god I don't know if I want to do this this isn't my avenue you know I've been so used to going off getting my energy and the vibe off a live audience 
So, you know, playing to a camera where you cannot gauge what's going on has been mm. something that I've had to adjust to. I'm used to it now. I've had to get used to it pretty damn quick. Um, but at first I was unsure of it. But, you know, it's something that's been such a good tool. And a lot of it's helped people as well because you get people that will message and say, you know, thank you for doing that live stream or thank you for putting together that mix that really, you know, I was having a down day and having something to, you know, entertainment-wise wise like you know and this is why it's been so important that the arts you know funding the arts is so essential because it was true there was a thing last year you know what would you do without your netflix you know what would you do without your music you would be you know it's already tough as it is but the art the arts are something that needs to keep going and i've you know i've learned to love doing the live streams i've got my manager bought me a green screen Oh, and I've, I love, I love videos. So I've had so much fun with, <laughs> you know. And I watched that one this afternoon. Have you been editing them? Yeah, I, I do all the video footage as well. So that one that you watched for Jackie's Festival, that was all based on like 1970s, like roller skates and roller discos. Yeah. So I was like, let's go to town with this. Some of the other ones, obviously, I'm a massive Trekkie. So one of the other ones, it was all like old Star Trek episodes and NASA footage, you name it. Another one was all horror, like old school horror stuff. So, yeah, it just, yeah, it, it's another layer of creativity that I've just thrown myself into. That's absolutely incredible. So what advice would you give then to younger um you know, students pursuing music or younger DJs who've during the pandemic thought, do you know what, if I buy some, I know a few people that bought, they're not even DJs really yet, and they bought decks and thought, now is the time. What kind of advice would you give to them if they're thinking, oh, I don't want to do this anymore because nightlife isn't even a thing now? What would you say to them? I'd say just keep positive and just go for it. Learn the craft and you'd be surprised the opportunities that might arise when things go back to normal. So just go for it don't hold back and if you're enjoying it in these times imagine the times where you can maybe get an opportunity to go and play somewhere in town and give it a, a chance and see if it's for you and if it's not not a problem no harm you know just go for it absolutely brilliant I'm so glad because that's what I've been saying to a DJ fun enough a DJ for Scottish Youth Theatre and they'd asked me to do a sort of um, LGBT classics or party anthems I thought I'm literally going to do a CC set then brilliant and <laughs> missed, I love playing my house, my 90s, my disco house, but, and that's what Geordie's Jams usually is every Friday. Yeah. Or when I was doing Glazed back with my um, bubble at the time, when we were doing Glazed, you know, um, it was sort of the 90s and the sort of dirty uh, Azealia Banks vibes, you know what I mean? Like that sort of stuff, yeah. underground. But with this, I was like, oh, I can have fun with this. I can get in drag and have a laugh and get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> They were loving it and it was on Zoom and they had so much fun. And then she asked me, my, the producer I used to work with, said, would you just say something at the end and then play one more song? I went, yeah, of course, because it was for their Making Space programme, which is something that I did years ago. Um, and I said to them, I just want to come on and say, like, well done for all of you creating work during the pandemic. It's so hard for artists trying to stay motivated. And I want you all to know that, you know, I'm here as a professional artist still having to do the same as you and you're on bar with that. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep focused. You know, things are going to return. And they all were putting such lovely comments. And I thought to myself, I'm glad that younger people that I was worried to are maybe like six years younger than me, I think, would have maybe been sitting thinking, oh, I don't even know after this festival if I want to keep doing this. And I was like, no, 
like Jerry Godley who have done monologues in their house and it's taken off and she's oh, she's have a love <laughs> and then her alone videos have shot her to stardom I saw her years ago when she was doing stand-up and she wasn't really well known she was known as the Trump support uh, the Trump person saying you know fuck Trump he's a cunt <laughs> she's brilliant I love her yeah, and that, I knew her and then now she's taken off and she's like fucking basically famous and I thought do it keep pursuing so I'm so glad uh, you've said that I have one I want to throw at you that it, it'll be a hard one for you to answer because I've asked other DJs who've came on I had Frankie Lee and Eva Crystal Tips and they both were like oh I don't know I can't answer that so I'm intrigued what has been to this day your favourite night that you've ever DJed if you could pick one? Oh my god Pick one. Right. Well, you know what? I'm going to, the reason I'm going to pick this as well, it was just, I had all my family, my friends, everyone was there and it was the breakthrough moment for me. So I'm going to have to stay in the Sunsea Beat Dome at Southport Weekender at Minehead because without that, I don't know where my, my career wouldn't have reached the heights it has. So I'm going to say that one because that is, I've, all, I've often joked and I've often been asked this and I've always said, you know, if there's clips in my head before I die, if it's like a, a rolling thing, like we're going to show you the best clips of your life before you pass, I always think that that'll be one of them. So I'm going to say that one. <laughs> it's a hard question, but I'll go for that one. I loved, that was the most, out of everything we've talked about for the last hour, that was the most eccentric Leo thing I've heard you say is, well, <laughs> When the montage in my head happens before I die. Montage as if my life means something, God. You know what I mean? <laughs> it means something, but I think it's that theatricality of the montage you see in movies. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. It's brilliant. So we are, all, we are all after the pandemic coming to a Natasha Kitty Cat DJ set. What are three tracks that we would expect you to play that are your favourites to play? Okay, so three of my favourites. One of them would have to be Marlena Shaw, Touch Me in the Morning. That's a full-on disco number. Like, honestly. As a guitar. Love. Love. Let me think, what else? What else? Oh, God, it's so hard. Just three. Just three. Three. Uh, I'm going to say one of my own. I know that's bad, but because I've created half of these tracks during the pandemic i've not actually had a chance to play them out so cosmic oscillations ep that would be one of them nice. and third oh god i need to think of the third one probably melbourne or pick me up i'll dance because that it's just you know we all need that pickup i know i sound bloody I sound like one of these quotes that you'd get on a birthday card or something, but you know where I'm going with it. Like, Melbourne, we're pick me up all dance because we all need picked up and we all need to dance, you know? So I'll go with that as my third one. And I loved when they did the um, DJ, was it Cozy, done the sample of that. Yeah, yeah. That. And it used, was it Gladys, Gladys Knight? Um, neither one of us wants to be the first to say goodbye. There's another version of this you should check out, the Al Kent one where he takes Pick Me Up, I'll Dance, and then it's called, it's called Pick Me Up, Say Goodbye. So it's Melba Moore and Gladys Knight on the... So it's Gladys Knight on the vocal, and it's fantastic. I'll send you it. Amazing, because I remember... You have to hear this. Yeah, one of my favourite tracks. Like, I think when I had done mine with Eva and um, Simon from Hot Mess, 
I'd said, you know, Honey Dijon Stars is one of mine, what an absolute anthem with Sam Sparrow. And one of mine at the moment is, oh, it's a 70s song that was redone by Kim Mazel. Um, was that all it was? The Debt Left Mix by Kim Oh, Gene Carn. I've got a funny story about that song, actually. Tell that me. was the first song that my mum and dad ever danced to um, when they met, when they were dating. And they've been together 30-something years now. Like, honestly, that was their first ever song, was Gene Carn. Was that all it was? Amazing. So, I always... The, and the thing is, they met her about 15 years ago, and she signed the record for them saying... I can't remember, she was like, all these years later to Michelle and Dennis, love Jean Carn. And that was their first ever dance, was Jean Carn. Was that all it was? So every time I hear that reference, I always think of my mum and dad. That's beautiful. I'm so glad I said it now. I'm so glad. <laughs> good taste. You've got good taste. Thank you. Thank you. That's so <laughs> well, You know, what are your goals? This is a hard one to ask people, but I do ask everyone this. What are your goals coming at the pandemic? Have you set any work and life goals? Like, you know, some people have talked about they don't want to... I had a travel blogger who came on and when I said, what are your goals? She went to slow down because before the pandemic, I was doing too much and I was exhausted. I thought, really? I'm surprised. Um, and then she's got in the pandemic into a relationship that she was talking about. And, you know, without the pandemic, she was like, I'm not going to be tied down. I don't want a relationship. And then she's met somewhat. It's funny how things work. And I've had other people say, you know, they want to drop music, they want to go back to uni. So what are your kind of goals when the pandemic stops or things start to open? See, I because I've had the time to slow down, I'm really, like, itching to get back out there and get back on the decks. And production, you know, I'm, I've been producing all through it. I just want to amp up the productions, even though I'm doing that now. I mean, I think it's just continue as is, but just get back out there. I'm, I'm desperate to play tunes to a crowd I'm, I'm itching for a live audience and I think just to grow and progress and you know get to connect with people again that's that's where my mind's at right now I'm totally relating on so many levels <laughs> it's like before the pandemic I didn't sing live and now I'm like oh I want to be live singing and shows and DJ oh, oh. that's another edge as well because in drag there's a lot of lip syncing so to actually be singing live as well that's awesome you need to go for it and it's funny because I'd said to friends you know I'm uh, obviously I'm really good friends with Nick Carlsberg from Bongo and I'd said to him you know oh like if I can do a night at Bongo when things turn because I just DJed at Bongo before the pandemic happened okay. and I loved it it was one of my favorite nights I'd done in so long and he said to me you were incredible actually I was really blown away I went oh thank you and I'd said you know I really want to start DJing and doing live PA as well and actually, like, singing house tracks that people would be like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sing this instead. Like, go for it. And I just think that's really something I can't wait to do. So I totally get you. Totally. Yeah. So we have reached the infamous question for season three that sets it apart from season two and one. We are covering hope. It's been right. an interesting question for all my guests so far. They've all talked about different moments. We've had being bullied at school and how singing got them through that. We've had yesterday, Ryan saying, you know, oh, um, hope's always with me. There's never really been one moment. I always have to, every day, deal with that. And there's been so many other answers. Um, Frankie Elise had mentioned in her episode that she actually got stuck abroad the week the pandemic happened because she'd been on holiday. 
And I was like, fucking hell. So we've had so many different stories and I would love for you to share, you know, if there was ever one moment that things were really horrific, even before the pandemic and hope got you through it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I can relate to one of the examples you said there. I mean, all through school, I was very badly bullied, like primary and secondary. Um, I've always, I know this is going to sound like a bit of a cliche, but I've always just, you know, in the words of Shirley Bassey, I am who I am. You know, I am what I am, sorry. And, you know, that song's always resonated with me because I've just always, I'm quite geeky. I've got more wee things. And when I was at school, I had a bit of a hard time for it. But now I've realised, and this is something that, you know, you, you realise the older you get. When I was younger, the very thing that set me aside is now my biggest asset. So having that individuality and embracing who I am and being that person you know that before would maybe be criticized for being that way now is the thing that sets me aside and makes me who I am so I just go for it in that regard and you know you soon realize that these people in your life are irrelevant the older you get what seems to be the be all and end all when you're younger as you grow up and evolve you realize that it's just a small portion of your life and do you feel like somewhere in you hope got you through that to go do you know what like something is going to happen and change and then you became the infamous Natasha Kitty Cat I mean for me I had no idea this was going to be what what it's become but for me I think I always had this thing like always just you know stay strong just get through it and you know at the other side when you're away from this and people see you for who you really are without misconceptions or thinking because you don't fit the norm people will appreciate you for who you are. Well, the right people will, and the ones that don't, well, piss off by. <laughs> you know, you soon, you soon learn. <laughs> it's so interesting, because, like, you know, I'm I'm in talks to go and give a talk at Mould High School in the future about my journey as a drag artist and all the things I've done. And I'd said to them, you know, what, what avenue do you want me to go down with this? Because I like to pre-plan what I'm going to say. Not a script, but in my head. And yeah. You know, sort of, there'll be uni students like wanting to go to uni, so there'll be six years applying to UCAS. I think, right, okay, I know what to say. And they might not like what I've got to say in a way, but I remember I said to them, you know, 10 years ago, I wanted to be a politician. And here I am as a fucking drag queen. Do you know what I mean? It's not- oh, see, that's, that's genius. I love that. And I'm not in any way, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, but I love that I allowed myself to just fall into it. And I feel like you've done the same. And I think that's incredible. That's brilliant. That's, that's exactly what's happened. It's just sort of been one step to another. And then it's just kind of happened. I mean, you'd think with like the musical family, like my mum and dad are obsessed with soul music. So that's always been like clear foundations. But it just, I didn't think when I was younger, oh, I'm going to be a DJ. I'm going to do this. It just happened that way. And thank God it did. Well, I'm not religious, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the above that it did. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Natasha, I cannot believe, because I want to talk to you all night, we've reached literally the end <laughs> of the... We've done well. <laughs> Actually, expected an Aquarius and a Leo to be here till five in the morning and afters. <laughs> oh, love it. it. So amazing hearing your incredible journey and your work and before we end the episode we always end afternoon delight with an inspiring quote and I would love for you to share the quote you've brought so the quote I've brought is don't dream it be it by the one and only Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror I live by that
So that's going to be my ending quote. I love that. You are a drag queen at heart. I really, you know what I really am. <laughs> love it, honestly. From Shirley Bassey to Frankenfurter, I really am. <laughs> and they could both be your parents. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Natasha, it's been absolutely beautiful having you on Afternoon Delight. Thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you for asking me. I hope you all really enjoyed the fire and the passion in that interview that is the Leo Queen, the Madonna of the DJ world, in my opinion. Natasha Kitty Cat, what an absolute pleasure. So many things from that interview were incredible. Your spirit, your dedication to the art, your music. I went away and listened to loads of Natasha's songs. Um, if I were you, I would go and check out all of these ones. They're some of my favourites. Um, you know, just go and type her name in and you will fall in love with her like I have. But a few really that resonated with me were her remix of Remember Me, Windy City, Days of My Life particularly, you know, Bumpy Night, of course, Betty Davis. But genuinely, go and check all her amazing work out. Natasha Kitty Instagram, Twitter, Facebook... Go and check out her DJ sets on YouTube, the virtual ones, incredible, and the live ones. She is honestly incredible. And the fact that afterwards I was able to message her and get work advice really just shows how caring and considerate she is as an artist and as a person. I've got a lot of time for you, gal, and a lot of love. And we have talked about potentially, hopefully, probably, doing a DJ set, either mine or hers, online. And I think that would be absolutely fucking amazing and so much fun to do. It's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, when you just click with someone, you click and I have so much time in the world for her in her busy, busy schedule, I might add. You know, it's been bad enough during the pandemic wanting to create any content or work, but the fact that she's managed to drop so many songs and EPs during, well, props to her. And she was an absolute sport about me being late because I was late because my cat had diarrhea. <laughs> and I did say to her, you know how apt that I'm late because of my cat having issues and I'm dealing with the kitty cat of the disco scene, the disco golf of Scotland. She was here, I was there. I hope you all were enjoying it. Like I said at the beginning, live long and prosper and go out there and make it happen. Until next week, though, stay safe. I've been Jory Delight with Natasha Kitty Cat, Secret Drag Queen, and Disco Golf. Don't dream it, be it like her. And remember to breathe.